Okay, let's have a seat, please. I'm going to invite you to turn to page 11 in your notes. talked uh, the balance of the evening with the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? What's his work all about? So page 11 in your notes. We want to give you a, kind of a, a snapshot, if you would, a vision of the work of the Holy Spirit, who he is. Like he's a person. We'll talk about his person, uh, what he's like as a person, how he likes to work among us. That's going to help us understand when we talk about the role of the gifts in our life. Okay. Page 11. Okay, introduction to the Holy Spirit, the person, the Spirit's person and work. The person and work of the Holy Spirit can be found in every book and letter of the New Testament. In reality, the scriptures reveal who the Spirit is, and how He works. That's what we'll be talking about here tonight, How, who He is, who is the Holy Spirit. We know a lot about the Father, the Son, it seems like. But the Holy Spirit, like, I grew up with the Holy Spirit being the dove in the picture, you know, and that was like, couldn't relate to a dove very well. Couldn't even relate to Holy Ghost. That was even more difficult to relate, you know. <laughs> how would you like to tell? I learned as a child to pray, you know, early on and call God, the third person Trinity, God, the Holy Ghost, you know. Well, I, naturally, I was kind of afraid of ghosts, you know. <laughs> so, and, uh, but, you know, even Casper, the friendly ghost, could not persuade me to think of the Holy Spirit as friendly. <laughs> so, so I kind of automatically grew up thinking of the Holy Spirit as a spooky person of the Trinity, you know. So, but he is God. He's the third person of the Trinity, right? He is called the Lord and giver of life in our creed. He hasn't changed. Okay. He still does what he did in the New Testament because he is God. So we'll look in this section, we'll look at the work and the person of the Holy Spirit from a big picture. And this is a key point. Spiritual gifts are only a small part of his person and work. Now, we're obviously focusing upon spiritual gifts quite a bit here in this seminar. because This was the seminar is about, but I just want you to know that gifts of the Spirit are just a small part of the work and the person the Holy Spirit is. Okay, so the Spirit's person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Third person of the Trinity, we like to say. He's God. God is a, is a person. And so some of the traits of his personality are he can be blasphemed. Some of the Pharisees and religious leaders attributed to Jesus' works, saying that they were of the devil. They were actually blaspheming the Holy Spirit at that point. Um, so the Holy Spirit um, can be grieved in that sense. He teaches. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as someone who would instruct us in his ways. Number three is he can bear witness. The Holy Spirit wants to give confirmation, conviction, assurance in our hearts of who Jesus is and what he's doing. That's part of his bearing witness to us. Uh, And it's kind of a, I like to call it a, a stamp on my heart when the Holy Spirit gives witness to me of something about the nature of who God is. It's like, yeah, that's who he is. That's, that's exactly who he is. You know, he's a God of love and power. And it's like the Holy Spirit just stamps that on my heart. That's the Holy Spirit bearing witness to me what God is like. Number four is he can be lied to. We'll talk about this in just a few minutes. But, you know, Ananias and Sophia lied to the church leadership. They're, in a sense, lying to the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, and we'll, talk, we'll look at that in just a minute, uh, a little bit more. Number five is he intercedes. The Holy Spirit inspires in us the prayer of intercession. 
He inspires all prayer, by the way, but he has a particular role in causing our hearts to intercede for the things that are in his heart. You know. Uh, number six, he has a will. The Holy Spirit has a definite um, uh, understanding of what the Father and the Son are up to, okay? and he wants to make sure that will gets expressed. Number seven, he has a mind, the mind of the Holy Spirit. Another way of saying the Scripture speaks of mind is he has a plan, a, pr- a purposes in mind. Number eight, he has feelings. He can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can, he can become uh, saddened in a sense. Now, obviously, God is above beyond our feelings, but what the Scripture attributes to the Holy Spirit is that we can actually grieve him by our disobedience, by our hardness of heart at times. We can, um, we can in a sense... Um, it's our hearts are turned away from the Lord when we grieve him. So the Holy Spirit never removes himself from us, but it's like he's closed off from us because our hearts are closed towards him. Number nine uh, is he speaks. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. He wants to, and you know, isn't some people here in our history have heard audible voices, but most of us will hear the impressions in our heart, which we'll be talking more about when we come to the different gifts of the Spirit. Symbols of the personality of the Holy Spirit found in Scripture. First, fire. Jesus said that, uh, rather, John the Baptist said of Jesus that he would come and baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire means one judging, one purifying, one cleansing. Water. The Holy Spirit's called water. Remember the woman at the well. Jesus said, if you knew who was asking for you water, you would say, you would ask for this water and springs of living water would flow up from within you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit there. So he's a thirst quencher. You know, for purpose and meaning for life, the Holy Spirit is the one who can give us, can quench our thirst. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, St. Paul calls him the seal. The Spirit transforming us and living in us shows the world we belong to Christ. A seal in the scriptural understanding means if someone got sealed or something got sealed, it meant they belonged to somebody. So what the Holy Spirit does is through the waters of baptism, he seals us. He wants us to know with conviction and assurance that we belong to the Father. Just like you you all raise children, you want your children to know they belong to your family, which is their family. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that you know that you're part of his family, the Father and the Son's family, and that you belong to him. So he's going to seal us. Now, sealing isn't just simply a sacramental thing. It's actually, I call it, a gut-level knowing that we're come to know in our life. Um, what happened to me on the day of my baptism is meant to become a personal reality to me. So I had this gut-level knowing I belong to the Father and the Son, part of their family. You know, or I like to say, I have their DNA in me. Okay. That's called the seal. Number four, the dove. The Holy Spirit is called the dove. And dove in the scripture means peace or gentle, tender, pure. Um, and so the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in our life as gentle and tender and pure to us. There'll be a sense of the purity of God's presence or a sense of the gentleness of God's presence. He's called the wind, John 3, 8. You know, the Spirit moves where and when he desires. So the Holy Spirit acts oftentimes serendipitously among us. He acts spontaneously among us. You know, we can't pigeonhole the Holy Spirit and keep put him in a cage. You know, the Holy Spirit has a will, and he acts in a way that sometimes we weren't expecting him to act. Okay, so that's how some about the, the personality of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at his deity. The Holy Spirit is um, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Trinity is listed together when Jesus said to his disciples, Baptize, go out to all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. So he never acts contrary to the Father and the Son. They work as a team. Okay, they all act together at the same purpose and plan. They have each other's, they cover each other. They cover each other's back, in other words. The Holy Spirit is part with the Father and the Son, and so is always expressing the Father and the Son. In fact, the Holy Spirit is probably of the Trinity. Uh, the Holy Spirit never draws attention to himself. He's always pointing the way to Jesus. Always, he always tries to glorify Jesus in any situation. Okay, uh, letter B, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. I'm going to read uh, this from Acts because this is, I think, very instructive about um, how the Holy Spirit is involved and how he is grieved at times. See, first of all, uh, chapter 5 here says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back some of the proceeds and bought brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold? He did, it, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? How is it you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Okay. So when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear came upon all who heard it. And young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Same thing happened, by the way, to his wife. So what was the issue here? Basically, the issue was that they, they brought property, they sold it, they were going to give some to the community. What happened was they gave the pretense that they actually were giving more than what they did. So in other words, they were actually keeping some on the side for themselves. And, but they were given the pretense that this was all for the community. Well, as it turned out, Peter didn't have a problem with them only giving a certain part of it. The fact is they put on this pretense. And so what the Holy Spirit did was he judged the intentions of their heart in this case. And the result was fear upon the community. The point I'm going to show here is that, is that there was a lie to the Holy Spirit third person in the Trinity here. He was grieved by that. It was an offense against him. Blair C. In the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit is a person, and um, as a person, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit here uh, teaching and giving witness to it. Let me read to you from John 14, verse 26. It says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is a counselor who guides us, instructs us, and teaches us. Now, he does that in many ways. Like, for example, he teaches us through the teaching of the church. That's one way. But in other ways, he teaches us about the daily situations we find in our life. For example, Lord, what am I supposed to do in this situation? I don't understand. The Holy Spirit wants to give you personal instruction. He wants to teach you about that situation. Or, Lord, this passage of Scripture, I don't get it. doesn't make any sense to me. Open my mind and heart to see it. Help me. The Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the Scriptures and teach us the Scriptures. You know, and we're not going to make a doctrine out of it and say this is like meaning for all time for all Christians. Maybe he's just trying to teach that passage for you in, the, in your life. He wants to personally instruct you about what about that passage for your life. We call that a personal word of God for you. We won't make it into a doctrine for the whole church, but we'll make but it's something the Lord's showing you and teaching you. All right. So that's something what the Holy Spirit does in John 16 uh, verse 26. 
Jesus says this, uh, In that day you will ask in my name, and I will do not say to you that I ask the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you love me, and I believe I came from the Father. So one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to constantly show us the Father's love and the Son's love for us. He wants us to have confidence, conviction, assurance of their love for, for you in your life. Okay. In verse chapter 15, verse 26, let's read this here. But when the counselor comes, whom I send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. And you also are witnesses because you've been with me from the beginning. The word witness means give you firsthand experience of something. Because we can't give away to somebody else if we ourselves haven't really experienced it. So what the Holy Spirit does is he takes the things about Jesus and he wants you to have firsthand experience of them. So when the scriptures talks about Jesus as being a savior, he wants you to know that in a way that's very personal to your life. So you can share that with others. You know? Yes, people believe, really uh, Catholics or Christians may say, Jesus is the savior of the world. But it's another thing to say that, let me share with you how I have discovered him as my savior, you know, how he's how he has saved my life at various points, how he's broken into my life. You know, that's witnessing. That's what we mean by witness. Okay. All right. Number, letter C again, number two, he's called the paraclete. Paraclete, a word meaning come alongside and to help. He continues the ministry of Jesus in the world. So the Holy Spirit was sent to us to continue to do what Jesus came and did. That's the Holy Spirit's whole job description is to continue what Jesus did. All right, let's take a look at the Spirit's work. His relations is Jesus. He's the gift of the ascended Lord. So Jesus went back to the Father, and he said that the Father will I'll send you the, uh, he will send the promise. The promise, is, of course, is the Holy Spirit. But Jesus had to go back to the Father to do that. That's why the disciples were so grieved, you know, they didn't want Jesus go away, and Jesus kept on saying, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, okay? Because when I go, I can send to you the Holy Spirit, who will always be with you. So, um, the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father to us, but it's the result of having Jesus gone back to the Father. Now, if Jesus would have came and just been a good moral teacher and, and died because he was misunderstood, there'd be no salvation for the world. But if he would have died on the cross and didn't rise from the dead, then he'd be a person in the tomb, and that would be the end of the story. But if he, if he, all he did was die and rise from the dead and stayed around here, then there'd be still no salvation. He had to die and be raised up and go back to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Our salvation really doesn't take effect until he leaves and goes and sends the Holy Spirit to us. So the Holy Spirit really has a critical part to play in our life. And he was sent because Jesus had to go back to the Father. All right, so number two is he glorifies Jesus. I touched on that already. He, his whole job description is to point away from himself to Jesus. He's a great gentleman in that respect. You know, he's always, always pointing to Jesus. Number three is he continues the ministry of Jesus. We talked about that already. A letter B, his relationship to the Scripture. He's the author of the Scriptures. So, you know, the Holy Spirit has a best-selling book out there, okay? It's called the Holy Bible, you know? And it's like, and he wrote the Scriptures. So he presided over the hearts and minds of, of men, particularly over centuries, to be able to weave together the plan of God's heart to save the human race. 
And so the scriptures teach accurately the truths that we need to know for our salvation. And that means how to live our life well before the Lord, how he wants us to live our life. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is the one who had not only brought that into existence, but the Holy Spirit oversaw the whole process from start to finish. So it's without error in the sense that it accurately describes what our salvation is. There's like, I don't have to scratch my head and say, well, is he really the savior of the world? No, the Holy Spirit wanted me to be really clear and wants us to be really clear about the fact and the truth from the scriptures that Jesus is the savior of the world. We don't have to worry about that. Is that true or not? Because the Holy Spirit has committed in writing through human beings that Jesus is the savior of the world. We can know that infallibly because that's something that he put there in the scriptures for us to know infallibly. Okay. So he's, and then he's the interpreter of the scriptures, which means he opens the scriptures to us, to our hearts and minds. For us, particularly as Catholics, he does that. Uh, also guiding what's called the magisterium of the church. That in, it's a magisterium of the church is, we sometimes think of it as a juridical, governmental thing. It really isn't. It's prophecy protecting prophecy. Okay. In other words, the magisterium of the church is simply... Uh, proclaims the scriptures to us, the truths of the scriptures, and makes them fresh in every generation for us. So it's prophecy protecting prophecy. Prophecy meaning the scriptures are prophetic, and then the magisterium of the church has the role of protecting that by proclaiming that afresh in every generation. And the Holy Spirit set that up so that we could have that um, that guidance from one generation to the next and making sure the truths of the Lord are freshly applied to our generation. Letter C, he's, his relationship to the world. He's the creator of the world. So he brought the world into existence. And he's the creator of every single human being on the face of the earth. They're made in the image and likeness of God. That's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And letter number two is he convicts people. The Holy Spirit loves the people of the earth. He's always at work trying to bring their hearts trying to move their hearts to a living awareness of God's love and care for them and, of course, of his son, Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is not, you know, he's not um, trying to make um, it difficult to come to God. He's trying to make it easy to come to God, to become aware of him. So he's always at work because he's expressing the heart of the Father and the Son, which is a heart of love. It's a heart of mercy for the world. Letter D, his relationship to the, uh, the person, he, um, he's meaning to us, to you and to me. That's what I mean by person. He's the instrument of our new birth in the waters of baptism. So the Holy Spirit comes to live in us through the waters of baptism. God puts his DNA in us, I like to say, his spiritual DNA. You know, we, we're part of his family. Um, and number two is he makes us holy. His goal is to purify Basically, another way of saying it, he wants to make us into the image and likeness of Jesus, basically. That's his goal. Goal. That's what he's after. He wants to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Number three is he makes his sons and daughters. As I mentioned earlier, he wants us to know that we're part of his family, that we're members of his family. He doesn't want us scratching our heads and thinking, you know, does God really love me? Am I really his son or daughter? Am I really part of his family? You know, am I on the fringe of the family? Or, you know, am I on the outside looking in? You know, no, the Holy Spirit wants you to know with conviction, assurance, confidence that you're his son and daughter. Okay, number four, he provides leadership and guidance to us. 
The Holy Spirit wants to guide our life. He wants to guide us into the way that we're to live that is in his plan and purposes. He wants to guide us into specific things like, should I go here or should I go there in terms of decision-making in my life? He wants to guide us in vocational choices. Uh, he wants to guide us uh, in understanding personally his word, applying that to our life. You know, so he wants to guide us in so many ways. Number five, he intercedes for us and helps us to pray. One of the ways he helps us to pray is he gives us the prayer language of the Holy Spirit. We'll be talking more about that later on, uh, is that he gives us the prayer of tongues, the prayer language of the Spirit. When we don't know how to pray, he inspires us to pray in a way for situations that go beyond our own understanding. One of the things, for example, if we're, if we're faced with somebody, you know, so people are always saying to me, would you please pray, keep so-and-so in prayer? Well, I don't know who so-and-so is. You know, they know who they are, you know. But yeah, of course, I say, yeah, sure I do. What I do with that is um, I'll just, in my personal prayer time, I'll just pray in the prayer language of the Spirit because I don't know so-and-so. And my words run out of basically steam at some point because I don't know the situation. So I start praying in prayer tongues, start praying for that person. You know, Lord, I lift up his... Uh, I left up to you, George, take care of George, bless George, work in George's life. I'm out of words at that point because I don't know George or his situation all that well. So I start praying in the prayer language of the Spirit. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit knows George. He loves George. He knows exactly what's going on in George's life. And he knows how to be able to get into George's life and work in George's life through my prayer for him. And my prayer is is limited my words. Now he gives me the prayer language of the Spirit. He gives me his language to pray for George, and his language doesn't have any limitations to it. You know? So that's a one great value to the prayer language of the Spirit. Number six, he empowers. The Holy Spirit empowers us with his presence, his strength. It's one of the things that he wants to do for each of us, even though we may have the Holy Spirit in us through baptism and confirmation, we may not be tapping into his presence and power. So he wants to release that in his life, our life rather. Letter E, his relationship to the church. He gives birth to the church. Holy Spirit brought the church into existence on Pentecost. Number two is he guides the church. And we spoke about how he does that. He guides it through many ways, not just through the leadership of the church. He guides it through all the movements of the church. He brings, he springs up in every age, it seems like, that are used to renew the church. He, he guides the church through holy men and women and he raises up. And number three is he gives gifts to the church, which is what we're about in this seminar. He gives spiritual gifts to build up the church in faith, hope, and love. Let's take a look at the chart here as a summary of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a personality which can be seen in that he teaches, he speaks, he feels, and so on. And by the symbols which picture his personality, he's God. His deity is shown, for example, in Matthew 28, which is called the Great Commission. Go out to all the world, baptize them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us see then in the chart below how the Holy Spirit ministers. And this is going to be helpful for us, I think, when we start talking about gifts more in detail starting next week. Let's take a look at the left-hand column. It says the Spirit works. Well, he continues the ministry of Jesus. He's the author, interpreter of Scripture. He's the creator of the world. And men and women through, through his creation of them. He convictor of people, meaning convictor simply means that he brings people to an understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. The new birth, he brings people to new life through the waters of baptism. And he empowers people. He empowers them with a new strength, a new vitality, a new energy, a new life. So that's what he wants to do. 
How does he do it? What's the means? Well, he uses people to do it. Okay. He uses people that are open to him, docile to him. Okay. He, uses, he uses the word of God in the scripture, and he uses the sacraments. So there are two main ways that he is able to work in our world. Number th- three is he works in circumstances. Pat mentioned, for example, at the grocery store. Okay. The Lord, Holy Spirit is working there. She listened to somebody share their heart. And it became an opportunity for prayer. So he used that, that we call it divine appointments, okay? Like we didn't plan it, but he creates the appointment for us with that person, you know, in the dairy section, okay? And there's a divine appointment. He uses a circumstance to speak into somebody's heart. That's a lot of times how the gifts will be used through circumstances, okay? What's the setting? Well, he uses all kinds of settings. He uses a formal setting, a setting like tonight, for example, um, we probably were experiencing the Holy Spirit working for us when we were sharing conversational prayer. You know, some of you were shared uh, insights the Lord was giving you. So he does that individually. He does it in a group setting. He does it at Mass, for example. Liturgy would be a formal setting, for example. Informal ways. Again, divine appointments we spoke of earlier, individually. Or sometimes in a group setting like tonight... It'd be very possible, for example, let's take a group of people here to my left. You know, they decide afterwards, let's pray together. Let's minister to one another. Now, it becomes an informal setting, meaning that it's something on the moment. They decide that this might be a good thing to do. And they open their hearts at that point to let the Holy Spirit work in them and through them. Okay, so that's an informal way which the Holy Spirit will choose. So what I'm trying to say with that is be open to both not only the formal settings... You know, we're, we can say, well, the Holy Spirit's at work here. We're at Mass together. Okay, that's a formal say. What about the informal gatherings? What about the appointments that you had with people? What about the, the seren- uh, you might say, the spontaneous situations with your children, for example, your son or your daughter, that as they come and bring you a problem, maybe it's an informal setting where the Holy Spirit wants to really work in their heart. Okay, what's the result? Here's some of the results. He gives gifts. Gifts of the Spirit. The gifts are used as tools to build up people's lives. They are tools he gives us so he can work in a situation. He brings understanding of the Scripture. In other words, he takes a passage of Scripture and makes it come alive to you as if you were seeing it for the first time. Salvation. He brings people to salvation. He opens people's heart to God's love through Christ and draws them to him. Adoption. He wants... He can confirm in people's hearts that that person is a son or daughter. They belong to God. Sometimes, you know, when we're, um, uh, I, w- I was with a situation, I was with a situation yesterday at Lorian Nursing Home. And, you know, I was doing my role as a priest by having mass, you know, and somebody gets you afterwards and says, could you go visit? And I'm still doing my role, right? I'm visiting somebody. And I went, I pray with the person in bed who was suffering, but what the Holy Spirit had in mind was somebody in the family. And so afterwards, I, you know, I left the room and the person followed me out. And it was like a Holy Spirit moment. It was a divine appointment moment because that obviously this particular person was feeling very uh, weighed down by the, by the suffering of their, their particular family member. And, uh, and they began to open up about their struggles with that. You know? And as they opened up about the struggles with that, you know, I see the Holy Spirit want to do something particular in their life, and that was he wanted them to know that this person that was struggling 
really belonged to God as a, as a daughter of his. They were his child. They were his through this. So I was able to share that with them and pray with them regarding that, you know. Um, but so the Holy Spirit wanted to do something in that person's life, and that was to bring them to a deeper understanding in the midst of their suffering and their fa- father's su- suffering that, hey, you, know, you belong to God the Father. You were, you're his child, even in the midst of this struggle, you know. So he wants to guide. That's one of the things he wants to do. He wants to give us definite direction in situations that we're facing, you know. Simple things like this, like, Lord, you know, um, how should I proceed in this situation? What should I really do? What should I really be about? You know, this isn't going to throw a neon lights at us, you know. But what he's going to do is he's going to either impress things in our heart and mind, or he's going to open up a scripture passage to us, or maybe bring somebody into our life that will be able to uh, be, as it were, helpful to us, that can give us the guidance we need. Intercession is what he wants to do. Holy Spirit is always getting us to intercede. Intercede, he, getting us to pray for the situations that we're facing in our life. John Wesley, who's an um, Anglican, died at Anglican, actually, founder of the, Wes, uh, founder of the uh, actually, method, a movement called Methodism, actually, later became a church, but actually, he really wasn't part of that. He, was, he lives in Anglican, dies in Anglican. But uh, he said that God does nothing unless his people first pray, you know. So it's like the Holy Spirit is waiting for his people to intercede for situations. So that's always something he's trying to get us to do, to intercede for this circumstance. Next, he empowers us. Okay. Um, one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do is give us a, a divine strength and power, uh, a divine experience of his love for us. Um, it's, uh, we call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a grace he pours out into our life where he just wants us to grow in a new sense of his vitality, his life, his energy, his, his strength in us. And he wants to show Jesus to us in a whole new way, which changes the dynamic. It's a game changer for us in many ways because what it does is it brings a whole new vitality into our life that we didn't have before. And lastly is holiness. The Holy Spirit is holy. He's the Holy Spirit, which means that uh, he wants to free us of uh, sin and patterns of sin. That, you know, as uh, Catherine Siena said, you know, the Christian life can, can have hatred in it. She said, we can hate sin, she says, and love virtue. So he wants to form in us a hatred for sin because sin is the source of our unhappiness You know, it's the source of the world's unhappiness. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is free our hearts from what will make us unhappy and conform us to what will bring us true happiness in this life and life to come. And that's another way of defining holiness, you know. So these are the things he wants to do in our life. Okay, so so just in conclusion here, the Holy Spirit then is a person. Okay, he's not a doctrine only. We make, we make doctrines about him, but he's a person. Okay, with, with a person, he has a personality, and he always works in harmony with the Father and the Son. And he's, the best way I can use to describe the Holy Spirit, he's, he's dynamic in our midst. He's always interacting with us. He's always working in our hearts and our situations. 
So one of the things to do, as a, I think, as Christians is that when we begin our day, say, Holy Spirit, how do you want to work today? You know, Make me open to how you want to work today. Create those divine appointments for me so I can cooperate with your purposes. Okay, so let's pray, and we'll end for the night. Scripture says, the Spirit and the Bride say, come, let all who hear him say, come, let him who is thirsty come, let him who desires the water of life without price. So, Lord, tonight we desire more of your presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We desire more of his working in our lives, our families, our faith community, and our entire region. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Kindle in our hearts the fire of your love. Come, Holy Spirit, and work in us. Show forth, Holy Spirit, the Father's love for us. Continue the work of Jesus in our midst. And Holy Spirit, make us fitting vessels, vessels of all that you want to do in us and through us to touch our corner of the world with your grace and with your mercy and with your healing. So, Father, I pray that you have promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit. You truly have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I just pray for every person here that in the upcoming week you would just help each one of us come more deeply into awareness, friendship with the Holy Spirit. Give us opportunities, Lord, to pray conversational prayer with people that we'll meet this week. Help us to be aware and sensitive to those moments when we can pray with another and share prayer with them and experience the bonding of your love and peace, not only with them, but with you more deeply. We pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, good. Thanks for being here tonight, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Part three, we'll be looking at the spiritual gifts more in detail.